You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We are in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. You have your Bible. Ecclesiastes is kind of in the middle-ish of your Bible. We're uh, not quite halfway through this Ecclesiastes summer, uh, but we're making progress moment by moment Day by day, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is consistently just kind of pounding um, this theme of like that, that, that the things that we seem to think that matter don't matter ultimately, and they don't satisfy ultimately. And we've all had tastes of that in our lives from time to time, where, where things that we think are going to satisfy us, and then we obtain whatever that thing is, and at the other end of it, we're like, hey, that... That wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. And so we, we take another bite at the apple. We try again uh, to find another thing to make us happier. Uh, we've been told that the, the marketers have sold us that this thing is the, actually the thing that will make you happy. And so you, uh, you, you, you save and you work a double shift and then you go and you obtain that thing. And it, it also leaves you a little bit empty. It, it, but, but we can't stop doing it. You know, inside the church, we, we can believe inside of ourselves that money um, doesn't solve the problems that matter, right? The only problem that matters in human history is the problem of, of sin that separates us from a loving God, right? Sin separates us from God, and we cannot get back. And your money doesn't get you there. A lot of people have tried to do that, right? They, they, they think if I build a wing onto the church or if I build a hospital, if I, if I invest uh, this money back into these purposes, then somehow I'm going to be okay. That's one of the things that drove the Protestant Reformation, right? Uh, there was guys going from town to town basically saying, if you give us money, we'll take your loved ones out of purgatory, which, uh, spoiler alert, not a fan of, don't think it exists, um, but, but we'll get them out of purgatory, which is kind of like a borderline hell sort of place, not great, and we'll get them into heaven, and all you have to do is give money, Right, every time a copper rings, a you know, soul from Purgatory Springs was the way it would be sold. And the idea was if you would give a little, you would get a little. And so people have this misguided understanding, even in the church, that wealth can buy the things that matter. And even if in your mind you know that's not true, we still live that way. Right? We're still compelled by that. My son, uh, Seth, uh, back there somewhere. Hey, Seth. See you, man. Um, uh, introduced me to a TV show that was on years ago whenever I was like a young adult. I'm now a median adult. I have to accept that fact. I'm coming to grips with that moment by moment, okay? By the way, if I'm a median adult, some of you might need to look at the mirror and reevaluate where you are on that chart, okay? I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just saying it exists. And so and he introduced me to this show. I think it was on Fox, and it made it all of one season because it was a very cringy game show. Uh, and the game show was called Moment of Truth. You can watch it on YouTube um, if you hate yourself, okay? Um, there's an episode of it that my son watched on the YouTube. I like calling it the YouTube because I feel like that's more definite, all right? But on YouTube, he watched, uh, he, he watched uh, an episode. He's like, Dad, you have to watch this. And he kind of explained it to me, and I said, son, I don't have to watch that. And he said, no, no, you really have to watch it. So I sat down with my wife, and we watched this episode of Moment of Truth, and there's this young lady who just destroys her life for the hope of getting some money at the back end. 
The way the game show worked is real simple. You would take a polygraph test ahead of time, and they would ask you all sorts of questions. And then you would go on like national TV with your family in front of you and have to answer the questions that were asked in the polygraph honestly. Right? So if you lied according to the polygraph, or if you lied, if you changed your answer and lied in front of the, the, the family, you would lose all the money that you had. And the questions were aggressive. And this person was obviously a scoundrel. Um, and so like their life, but they, I mean, yeah, like when she got married to the, her, you know, by the way, her husband was like a New York police officer, what a, you know, like a, like a, generally I would think probably a guy who's trying to do, do right also lives in a community of other guys. And she's like, yeah, when I got married, I actually wanted to, you know, so I was, I was still in love with this guy over here and then this guy and all these questions are being hashed out on national TV. Right? And, and, and she's pushing through this and destroying her relationships. You know, she's hurting her relationship with her parents because both of her parents were there, a sibling and her husband. And she's just like pounding questions and she's lived a terrible life. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell her as a saint. Um, but for some reason in her mind, she thought, if I can get that money and get the truth out, then I'll be happier with myself. Right? And, and there's this thing inside of us that tells us that, that there's some amount of money, there's some dollar sign out there that will give us true happiness. Uh, I think it's a Winston Churchill quote. I don't know, and I'm going to butcher it, so just take it as an apocryphal story right now. Uh, but he was dealing with some lady that he, he was not a fan of inside of the British society world up there. Um, and, he, and he asked her, uh, Madame, would you, uh, uh, would you have relations with me? Uh, for, 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 for uh, you know, 100 million pounds or something like that. And so she kind of does the mental math, and she's like, that seems like a good deal. Yes, I, I would do that. And then he comes back, and he says, well, would you for one pound? And she says, no, what, what sort of woman do you think I am? And he says, we've already established what sort of woman we, you are. Now we're just negotiating on the price. Right? And, and, and the idea is that there's this thing about money, right? The idea that uh, that, that some, we can just be we we can be bought and sold, and happiness is just on the other side. And the Bible consistently tells you that's not true. But we live in this society, and we can't shake it. It is it is the 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 cardinal sin of America, right? That that we we have this materialistic bend that we think that that that, that this stuff is going to calm the brokenness in your heart. The stuff that's truly broken inside of you that if you can get another trip or another thing, then you'll be okay. And I'm here to tell you the Bible is consistent. You're not okay. And no amount of stuff that you add to your not okay life is going to make you okay. You're a mess. And Jesus came to solve that mess. There's not another solution out there. Stop buying the salves that are sold uh, on the internet or through the commercials, none of them satisfy like Jesus. But continuing into the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we'll start in verse 8. This is what uh, the author of Ecclesiastes says. He says, look, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor, the violation of justice and righteousness, don't be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and then there are yet higher ones over them. But this is a game for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivating pills. And then he says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. 
for this is also a vanity. When goods increase, they increase those who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner uh, to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's wombs, he will go again naked as he came. He'll take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there uh, to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in the toil with which one toils under the sun for the few days of his life that God has given him, for that is his lot. Everyone also to whom God uh, has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, for this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Okay, I want to stop here. And just talk. We're actually going to cover all of chapter 6, too, just so you know. Okay, so, so we're, we didn't just finish the sermon. Um, he begins to lay out this, this thing about wealth. And he says, you know, the person who, who, who gets money isn't satisfied with money. The person who longs for money isn't satisfied when he obtains it. When he, when he want, longs for wealth, he's not satisfied with income. And he lays out this kind of like hypothetical story of a man who has great wealth. He has everything that, that, that he could want. And then he holds on to it too long, and he loses it in a bad venture. Maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe you invested uh, in Blockbuster Video, right? And you thought, man, this is the future of the world. So you put all your money into Blockbuster Video, and then you saw Netflix show up, and you're like, fad. That's a fad. No, no, people like going to a store and picking up a filthy video that, that someone else has grabbed and touched. And that's COVID speaking, I think. Right? Someone else has had their hands all over and then going and taking it back. You, and people enjoy driving to the store and browsing uh, through these uh, video you know, things. And you thought, no, I'm going to stay with Blockbuster. Netflix is, is going away any day now. And then other Netflix competitors show up like Hulu or whatever, Amazon Video. Oh, this is all a fad. Blockbuster is where, it, where it's at. This is where it's going to be. But if you held on too long, no matter how much money you put into Blockbuster, it is worthless today. There's one Blockbuster video left. My sister-in-law is going to visit it, I think, after the, like this, this week. She's gonna, it's up in Wyoming or somewhere where people don't have the internet, I guess. I don't know. Um, right? right but, but a bad business venture spoils all of this wealth. Right? And it could have been he invested in a startup. It could have been that he loaned money to a guy who said he would give him a return on his investment. Maybe he put his money with Bernie Madoff, and Bernie Madoff turned a you know, turned million dollars into zero dollars just like that. I don't know what the bad business scheme is, but we know those exist today. Right? Today, there are people who are looking uh, to get rich. And they have money, and then someone comes to them and says, invest in this. This town right here, Rockdale, Texas has so much of that desire inside of it. I remember a couple years ago, and I may be stepping on some toes here, and if I do, I'm sorry, okay? Um, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere on my Facebook feed, some, like, at-home business just became, like, everyone's at-home business. And I don't remember what the, the company was. It was, like, Pure or something like that. If that's not the company, I apologize, okay? Um, that's not the point. 
But the, like the buy-in to get into this business model, which I don't even know what they did other than sold other people to buy into this business model. Like the buy-in was like this some, like for me, pastor salary, big number. And I saw people just pitching it nonstop on Facebook, right? Oh, I got my first check and it was this. And they're showing pictures of the checks they're getting from this. And it was all just a get-rich-quick scheme. The idea is, and basically, I don't know, again, didn't get involved in it, no money invested in this thing. You might have had friends who lost some money in this venture, or, or maybe they made some money. I don't know. Someone has to make money somewhere, but most of you are going to lose money. It's basically just a pyramid scheme, right? If you get in early enough in the pyramid and you milk and bilk enough of your friends and neighbors, you can make money at their expense, right? But they can't make money because they gave all their money to the company who made money and gave you a little bit. And if you don't get in early enough, you're just supporting the guy above you and above you who bought you into this pyramid scheme. But there's something about the draw of money that draws us in. And we think that, that this is the opportunity. This is the time that we need to do it. We need to understand that wealth, and if you're living in the United States of America, which I believe all of you currently are, Right? If you're living here, uh, you have wealth, right? some portion of wealth. You might be the poorest person in this room right now. You have something approaching wealth on a worldwide stage. And wealth comes with risks. Right? Uh, twice in this passage that I read there, it's called a grievous evil. Like There is grievous evil that follows wealth. It's not that wealth itself is a grievous evil. In fact, I think there's a lot of people who God has blessed with great wealth who they're able to use that. To benefit kingdom purposes around the world. I'm not anti-money, right? I don't think that money has – I think money's neutral, but we allow it to corrupt us. It is so easy to corrupt us, and it draws us away, and there are great risks to wealth. So much so that at the author of Ecclesiastes, it's like it's better just to be the laborer who goes home at night – and maybe they've got a little in their stomach, or maybe they got a lot in their stomach, but they get to go home and be done. You know, corporations now, companies, love to pay for your cell phone. So it's a wonderful thing. They, they give you a cell phone, and they'll pay your minutes, and they'll pay it because when they give it to you, you have it. And you're always on the clock. And it's a grievous evil how this thing that's supposed to be a tool for us uh, to reinvest in what God is doing here just sinks into our lives and sucks away so much of what matters. And so what's the alternative conclusion? The alternative conclusion is to eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow you die. That's a paraphrase from Shakespeare, I suppose. Um, the idea, right, is, is to take joy in what God is giving you today. And that means not always looking for what someone else has. It's to get your eyes off of other people's stuff and to focus on what God has given you and find a way to delight yourself in the work that you have and the opportunities that God has presented to you. Some of us need to stop looking for the next opportunity and look where God has you now and enjoy that because there are risks with wealth. They're real and they matter. They corrupt your heart and you can lose it all in a moment. Continuing on in chapter 6, it says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. Right? But, but a stranger enjoys them. This is a vanity. It's a grievous evil. 
If a man fathers a hundred children, that would be a, a positive in this situation, right? Now in our day and age, a hundred children is like, whoa, I can't believe that, right? But in that day and age, it was a positive. A man fathers a hundred children. I gotta find more hammer. And lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things. Uh, and then he also has no burial. I say it's better for a stillborn child than for him. For it comes in a vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it hasn't seen the sun or known anything, yet it rests rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the same one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite isn't satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have? Uh, who knows how to conduct himself before the living. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is a vanity and a striving after the wind. The second thing is uh, that, that wealth, is, it, not only can it, can, it, can it disappear in an instant, there's risks in it, right? It, it has a, a danger of just slipping away and never satisfying. It has a danger of slipping away and never, and this guy has all the wealth that you would need, honor, prestige, position, children, everything that you would need in that day and age to be the like, best person in the world. You would think he would be living the life, but at the end of the day, it all slips away. Wealth is not a solid thing, right? It's not, it's, you know, like, like we think it is because we can sit in our wealth on a piece of land, but you stop paying taxes on your piece of land, and Milan County will take your land from you. Which is kind of crazy. I'm not gonna lie to you. I still don't understand that concept of, of how like ownership and things. I, I don't get. It. I also, don't get HOAs though. So I, there's a lot of things I don't understand about contemporary uh, life that we live in here, right? But wealth can just slip away. This man should have had everything that he would want. He should have had all the pleasure that he had. But, but for some reason, he has all, but he can't enjoy it. And you might have met somebody like this before, right? They, they have resources that you don't have, yet they're just angry, bitter, unhappy people. You know, some of, some, of the, some of the least happy people in the world are the people who have absolutely no reason to be unhappy from our perspective. Right? We're like, if I would have that, I would be happy. Right? If I had his wealth or her wealth, then I would be happy. They're not happy. What's wrong? Why does God give it to them? The truth is, it's probably because they're wicked and they get a grievous evil. Right? Where God gives them something, they think it's going to taste sweet in their mouth, right? And it turns to, to ash in their stomach, right? God, uh, in some ways, wealth can be a curse on people. You're like, I'll take it. I'll take the bullet, right? You're like, I'll take the curse of wealth right now. Be careful. Be careful. Because it is. Right? You don't need another thing. You need to learn to enjoy what God has given you. I mean, Father's Day, what a, what a wonderful day to preach this sermon against, against uh, wealth, right? <laughs> against, not, not against wealth, but really against living your life uh, to feed yourself. Because dads, like, that's driven in us, right? Like, work, make more, push further, right? And it's just, I, I don't know, maybe that wasn't true of you. And my dad is, was, was a wonderful man. Um, but, man, that was driven in me as, as a kid, right? You just work. You work. Why do you work? You work so you can get money. And why do you want money? So you can get things so that the people that you love can have things. Right? That's kind of the, the concept that we're driven in there. And I just want to tell you guys out there, like, yeah, you need to work. you got to support your family. But they don't need everything you think they need. Right? They would do much better with you. 
much better with you. So put the phone down. Turn it off. The weekend exists. Tell your boss the weekend exists. And if your boss can't honor that the weekend exists, I hear there's a lot of people looking, or a lot of places looking to hire, right? You don't have to have the job you have now. You might have trained for it. You might be super skilled at it. You might be specifically made for it, right? But if for some reason that job isn't giving you the opportunities to do the things that actually matter in your life, fathers, if it doesn't give you time to spend with your children or your grandchildren, if you're now in that age there, or spend time with your wife and you're just giving yourself to something else, find something better. And better doesn't mean pays more all the time. We think it does. I was, I was in a small group meeting uh, this past Sunday, and like, uh, we had someone in our small group, and they're like, pray for, we're doing prayer requests, and pray for me. I hope this doesn't violate too much. I won't give names. They said, pray for me. And, and I said, okay, what, what are we praying about? And I said, look, I have a job opportunity that pays me $20,000 a year more. And I'm like, I would not have to pray very long about that. Like, and this is me, right? The guy's preaching against this this Sunday. Could have been last Sunday. It would be different, right? But like, I was like, this seems like a pretty easy thing. God has offered you $20,000 more dollars a year, and the job is basically the same job you're doing now. I don't get it. But then I, you know, I thought about it as that even before we, we prayed. I thought, you know, how, how wonderful that is that someone can look at you know, that potential raise, you know, two grand a month, and say, I don't know if I want what comes with that. Because everything that you get, there, there comes risks. With that, guys, money can just slip away. It is not the thing that matters. Your relationships with your fellow peers matter. Right? Money can be here today, gone tomorrow. The value of a dollar is worth, what, 6% less now than it was earlier this year, right? Like, like your dollar that you were getting paid is now 94 cents, right? Money, is, it, it moves. It's, it's, it's intangible. It, it, you can't hold it really, so hold things that you can hold. It's Father's Day, Father's Day, I really want to challenge you to look to those people that God has put in your life to hold. Those children that you have, that you, I have uh, six children, correct? Six. Six children. Right, what a tremendous, I'm losing one. This is like, this has really hit me hard this, uh, like, over the last, like, two months. I've, I, I have cried more. You just saw that, right? What happened there? I have cried more in the last, like, three months over, like, publicly, which I don't do. Um, I just don't. Uh, than I probably have in the previous 15 years, 20 years. Right? And there's something about looking at my son and being like, I'm done with you. Right? Like, and I don't know if I'm happy with that. <laughs> like, I'm just, but it's done. Like, I'm, I, I've done it. You're 18, you're moving on. Like, two or three states away. I'm done with you. I don't have anything else to give. Right but, you know, so to hold those things that matter, because, like, the, the dollar that you have today slips out your hand tomorrow. It doesn't matter. People matter. Uh, husbands, your, your, your wife matter. Wives, your, your husbands matter. Your children matter. Your siblings matter. The people that your neighbors matter. God has put people in your world to be with you. Stop chasing the wrong things. Stop hoarding the wrong things. They just slip away. They're, they're not here forever. Continuing on in verse 10. It says, whatever has come to be has already been made. And it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he is. The more words, the more vanity. I should probably take that to heart, by the way. And what is the advantage to man? 
For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life. That's a downer, which passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? And the point is, let's pass here, is you don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, tomorrow. You don't know how, how this day is going to end. You don't know that the meal that you're planning to have isn't going to give you indigestion later. You don't know the future. We live our eyes so set forward. To, to, to planning and to, to preparing, and, and, we, and we, we try to make our money work for us so that we can plan and prepare to make more money on that. And this idea is that we can predict trends for the future. Right? There's a whole industry of financial planners. That's their whole job, right? So look forward and be like, no, you don't want to invest in Blockbuster. Let's move you over here, right? And, and, and they're wonderfully helpful people in making your money last as long as you need it to last so you don't die like uh, I don't know, supported by me here at the church sleeping on a pew, okay? Um, right, right, they can be helpful in that, but you don't really know the future. The thing that seems like a sure thing goes away tomorrow, right? Sears, Sears was the thing. Sears was Amazon before Amazon existed. They gave you a catalog. You could buy everything that you can currently buy on Amazon in this catalog. All they had to do was scan the catalog put it on the internet, and they would have beat Amazon. But they didn't do it. Biggest, biggest retailer in the world. Yeah, virtually defunct now. Maybe, maybe there's a hardware store with their name on it or a scratch and dent appliance place with their name on it. Some of you grew up. There, nothing could touch it. Walmart, massive corporation it is today, could be gone tomorrow. We don't know the future, the thing that seems certain we don't know. But I can tell you there is a certain future. There is a day when you will come and you will reach the end of your life and you will meet God face to face. And all this time that you've invested in wealth, all this time you've invested working for these companies that do not care about you, by and large, maybe you've found one that does. God bless you if you do. By the way, find a company that actually loves and cares about you as a human. Right? But all this time that you've invested, 40 hours a week for 40 years, X number of Hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that have come into your hands and out of your hands like water. None of that will matter. Because the certain future that we do know is that you will meet God face to face. And he will ask you the same question that he's asked every person who's reached it. Which is, why should I let you into my heaven? And if your answer is, I gave, or I worked this many years, or I did this, or I did that, it is an inadequate answer. The only answer that matters is I believed on your son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of my sins. And that certainty should drive our priorities now. You don't know where your investments are going to be six months from now. You don't know the value of the dollar tomorrow. But you do know there is a day coming appointed for you to meet God. And if that day is a certain day, which the Bible says it is, you need to be preparing for that day. And you need to be preparing those people you love for that day as well. You know, we don't know what our return on investment is going to be on any investment we make on this side of eternity. There's no guarantees in investing. Not a financial uh, advisor, by the way, so this is not financial advice. But I'll say this. Jesus says... Right? Anything that you give up for my sake, whether land 
or barns or whatever, you will recoup 100-fold in the age to come. 100-fold in the age to come. Whatever you sacrifice for him will be given back to you. So stop living for this eschaton. Stop living to put everything into this world and live with your eyes set towards a world that is certain to come. God is the guarantor of that promise, and he does not welch on his promises. He's not going out of business tomorrow. He's been doing it for a while. You can trust him. But it starts with trusting Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today, I want to tell you something. You are fighting a losing battle. There is no victory anywhere over there. You need to turn your eyes to Jesus. Your sin, which is the problem in your life, will not be atoned for or made up for by any amount of money that you make and give. No amount of being an awesome person will change that. You can help every old lady load cat food into her car at Walmart every single time you go, and none of that gets you closer to God's righteousness because you are separated because you chose sin. But Jesus came to make a way for you to find eternal life. And he died on the cross. He took your sin, put it on himself, and died so that you could receive eternal life. And he rose again, conquering death in the grave, saying, you can trust me. I won the fight that no one ever wins. The battle was fought between death and God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ, and death lost. Where, O oh, death, is your sting, right? Death is always winning. Always winning. And Jesus says, not anymore. Guys, stop investing in things that don't matter. Stop focusing on things that don't matter. Invest in God's kingdom. There's ways for you to do that in this church, by the way. We have Vacation Bible School. I pitched it earlier. A way for you to get involved in investing in God's kingdom is to come and give four days of your week from 9 to noon telling children about Jesus Christ. There will be a child who will come to faith in Jesus Christ at our Vacation Bible School, and you can play a part in having that happen. You can be a part of God working in that child's life because you made it possible for them to meet here and to do business with God. Right, there's opportunities around the globe to be a part of that. I, I mentioned Place of Hope just across the way. It's literally just over there. Right, you can go and serve. Ladies, you can step in to a woman's life when she thinks the world is chaotically against her. She doesn't have the money for the child that she's carrying. She doesn't have the skills to understand how to parent that child. And you can stand beside them, show them Jesus, and carry them. Well, they can't carry themselves, investing in things that matter. Does that mean that you can't work eight hours a day doing something else when you're doing those eight hours? Yes. You have to prioritize God's kingdom, things that matter, over other things out there. I don't know where you are right now, what, 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 where God is working with you. I just know there's a lot to do. And you got time. And you've been giving your time to the wrong people. And they've been taken. Because anything that you'll give to your company, I'll speak specifically to those of you who work for corporations, anything you'll give to your company, they'll take and they'll keep taking. Right? You were talking to your son, right? Just, just yesterday, right? He was working overtime, working overtime, working overtime. Now I get paid for it. Unpaid overtime. That's a rough gig, right? And the company's just gonna keep pawing on him. Because, like, why pay someone if he's gonna come in and do it for free? Right? You gotta set your boundaries. 
Because, yeah, you need to make money to pay the rent, to get food, or whatever. You got you, money. Is, I'm not anti-money. Right? I'm not preaching some crazy version of communism up here today. Maybe tomorrow, right? But not today. Don't, don't, don't give them what they don't deserve. Work hard. Be, be an honorable employee. Be the best employee that you can be. And then clock out. Set your boundaries. Let them know. Yeah, I don't do that on this day. And one of the things I, I admired about my son, and maybe it was more admired or maybe it was more dictated, right? He would work for Domino's Pizza. By the way, you order Domino's Pizza, maybe he'll drive up to your house. If he does, he'll probably drive about 10 miles past where he should when he gets there. Right? So the pizza gets there quicker and hotter, okay? Um... <laughs> You're welcome. Right? Well, when he got there, uh, when he was getting his job, it's his first job. And like I said, you should have let him know what you, what you won't do. Right? Like, you're not going to work Wednesday nights during youth. You're going to prioritize that. You're not going to work Sunday mornings during church. You're going to prioritize that. He goes into his boss, says, I'm not going to do those things. The boss says, all right, whatever. Right? That sounds great. But just let him know. Tell him what matters to you. And then do those things. Stop giving yourself away. So things that don't matter, they're going to slip away, they're going to be worthless tomorrow. Invest in things that do matter.